and welcome everybody welcome coming at you from the video today episode number 16 the brett hall edition of hat trick hockey and here as always with the boys we'll bring in rob first rob how's it going buddy how's she going boys this is a first day yeah, this, this is a first. It's, it is different, but uh, I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. But uh, how was your weekend? I got into some golf on Saturday. Hit him pretty well. Me and Nate went out, and uh, we played a buck a hole, and we finished even Steven. Oh, not bad. Not bad at all. What else yeah. you do? Just golf? Just like? Yeah, well, we had a big interview there on Wednesday, so. Yes, that was, which, that was pretty pretty exciting fucking uh, day. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was a great interview. And we'll bring in our other guy. We'll bring in Miss Mr. Wally. We'll call him today. Wally, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Oh, same old, same old. Yeah, just uh, you know, enjoyed the weekend. A little football earlier on today, and that's about it. Really, didn't really do too much. Didn't go you do in. have a Facebook video, Wally? <laughs> what? I said, you do have a face for video. All right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, all right, boys. Let's hop into it. You guys being Leafs fans, big story. Joe Thornton, one-year deal, 700K. Rob, what do you think about that one? I, 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 like, to, I like to pick up. I, I think they're it, it's awesome. It's too bad we couldn't have got him two years ago or three years ago when uh, Patrick was here, but – you know, uh, I, I think uh, he's going to be an awesome addition for 700 grand. How do you go wrong? It's fucking Jolton Joe. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is coming pretty cheap. That's good. Wall, what about you? What do you think on him? Oh, my hometown boy from St. Thomas getting a, a deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it's fantastic. He's an ultimate player, 1,600 plus points career wise. You know what I mean? Uh, Hart Trophy winner, Ross Trophy winner, you know? Yeah, I agree. But here's here's one thing that I want to ask both of you guys, and we'll start with Rob on it, is like, who do you think he's going to play with? I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna say he's going to be like third line, uh, you know, <laughs> so he's going to end up with like Spezza, Simmons. You know, that would be pretty – it will be a slow line, but there will be some grit there. Mm-hmm. For sure, Wall. Can't see him on the penalty kill at all, but I agree with Rob. He's going to be somewhere around the third line, something like that. Probably uh, fit him into the power play, maybe second line or somewhere. Mm-hmm. I would say Spezza and Thornton on, on, on the second power play, that would be oh. pretty fucking sweet. Oh, think- yeah. And then you tell Wayne, you just park your ass right out front of the net there and you just bang home all the garbage because you know that's exactly what that guy's going to do because that's what he does. You know, with those, with those, with those three guys, though, any one of those guys will sit in front of the net. You know, mm-hmm. they, that's that's a that's a good sandpaper line. Mm-hmm. That's a great sandpaper. Joe's line. a monster. The guy's a beast. A I mean, you put him in front of any goalie, that goalie can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah, Jump you got to look really weird. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, so. The other big signing, too, Brandon Gallagher signed a six-year deal with the Habs. I didn't catch the, the like, how much money 
but uh, I seen that he signed a pretty big deal there. I kind of figured he was gonna he was gonna stay there. Uh, Wall, what do you got with with Mr. Gallagher? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was somewhere in the six range per year AAV. Well, Gallagher, uh, you know, he's been with uh, Montreal for quite a while, and I know uh, the coach is severely happy about getting him back. Uh, you know, uh, he's a stellar player, and you know, Montreal. Uh, I think you should keep that guy. Rob, what about you? I love the guy. Like, uh, you know, he reminds me of a smaller Darcy Tucker. You know, like he's got so much grit. He uh, he goes into the corners, gets a broken jaw, can't shut his mouth on everybody else. You know, just fucking giving it to everybody. Still with a broken jaw, he didn't give a shit. So the only sad thing about him he gives, is he's not he gonna get the Canadian. Play. He what? Sorry, my bad. I my didn't bad. hear you. Go ahead. I say he gets to he he doesn't get to get his revenge on that fucker that broke his job, which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Niskanen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. One other thing but too. Other than that, I think he's he's great. That's a great signing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's. I knew he he would stay long term. He's like. To me, he's 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 a heart and soul guy. You know what I mean? He's scores goals. He's in the corners, banging around. He's fighting. He's he's just one of those guys in the league now that does it all. Like I find that those guys that do it all now are like few and far between now. Like you don't get that guy that will score like thirty a year and like fight somebody and go flying into the corners at a hundred breaks his jaw skates by the other team chirping still like, you know what I mean? Like they had to make that guy leave the bubble. Like he's tough as nails. You just, I think he's a great signing. You just don't find him like that nowadays. I find, I find you either do one where you're, you're either, you're either score goals and you put up a lot of points nowadays, or I find that you're just one of those like guys, like, mocking it up kind of like there's you don't get the where they kind of meet right like it's I don't know and in the end he's a great fucking player great signing so the Habs I'm sure will be very very happy with him yeah well I think they got uh, PR out of that that's for sure it's a good PR move for the Canadians I mean he's well liked and a good locker room guy too so oh he's definitely a multi-tool player right he 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 power play penalty kill play his line so you know how, how, how do you not want a guy like that on your team I, I'd take a whole team of Gallagher's oh yeah oh yeah for sure Wally you were right so apparently it was leaked. what I do <laughs> so apparently it was leaked so the NHL they still wanted to try to do as much of a full season as they can for for next year so Wally said that they were going to have a all Canada one right so he's right and it's called the northern division okay so in that and that one they have so it's obviously going to be all the teams from canada so it's going to be Habs, sends leafs jets oilers flames canucks that's the northern division then there's the eastern and it's going to be sabers pens caps flyers rangers devils islanders and bruins might be a couple fights in that fucking in that in that division uh southern one we have the lightning panthers hurricanes predators hawks blues red wings and blue jackets and then in the western one we have the wild stars 
Avs, Coyotes, Golden Knights, Ducks, Kings, and Sharks. That's how it all breaks down, fellas. What do you think about that, Wall? Well, I think it has to be like that at this time with the pandemic going on. There's no other option. Right now, you got still got the borders closed to uh, non-essential uh, non travel. I mean, you can't make rules for a league just because it's the NHL. You know what I mean? Uh, Rob, what, what about you? What do you got on it? I don't know. I, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if they're going to be able to like, is it going to be a bubble that they're going to play in or is it, are they just staying where they are and then going into those arenas and playing in those arenas? I think they're just going to stay with like, they're going to travel around to everybody's rinks, but they're, I think their way it sounds is they're only going to play in there. So they're only going to play the teams in their thing. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Like I like, I like the, I, I like the idea of an all Canadian but what, but what does that mean? Does that mean in come playoffs, you get four teams out of each division? You get three? I'm, which is nice, three teams from Canada get to have a shot at the cup, right? But I, the only thing I can see is you're probably going to have – you got four divisions, so you're probably going to end up with the top two out of every division, giving you eight teams, and you're going to have probably uh, maybe four wild card spots in total. Top two in a wild card each division. That's what I think. Who, who do you think's got the toughest division? Ooh. Well, by the sounds of that Eastern division, that, that thing sounds old school to me. Oh, yeah. That's why I was saying you think there might be a couple fights in that fucking division. It's got the Pens, Flyers, exactly. Islanders, Rangers, Caps. They're all in the same fucking division. Well, Which at least Toronto doesn't have to play against Boston or Tampa Bay. Yeah. That is true. At least Boston doesn't have – or Toronto doesn't have to play at least uh, Boston and Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, also, Cody CC signed a one-year deal with the Pens. Who was the other Leaf that, that went there, Rob? Kapanen. Oh, it was Kapanen. Okay. Yeah, and they said they're really excited about – like Crosby's excited about Kapanen playing on his line. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you like that? Fucking – Sidney Crosby's pumped about you coming to his team and playing for him. Yeah, should make you feel good. What about you, Wall? What do you think? Well, I always think, indeed, he's a great player, and I can't blame anyone for Pittsburgh for uh, being happy they scored big. Mm -hmm. I would, Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, real, real quick, before we cut over to this interview, because it was a fucking awesome interview, um, Patrick Laine is linked to the Sabres, the Hurricanes, and the Blue Jackets. Could you guys see him going to any of those teams, or do you think someone else will get him, or do you think he'll stay in Winnipeg, Rob? He don't want to be in Winnipeg. He's never wanted to be in Winnipeg. I don't think. The way he talks about – and I don't know, you know, I don't know the guy, but there's a lot of whining coming from this guy. So, mm -hmm. you know, he don't get to play on this line with this guy, and he don't get to play on that line with that guy. Well, fucking play better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say I'd agree I'm with that. The Jets today, though, boys. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I was, I was, I, I was just gonna say, don't, are, are you wearing a fucking Jet shirt right now? But yes, he yeah, is. I so, my brother Rich. Uh, okay, so Wall, what about you on Mister Line? Well, I, uh, one place I, I don't really see him going would be Columbus. I just don't see him and a Tortorella getting along. That just that pretty well knocks Columbus out in my mind. But the first one you said, Buffalo, like, I mean, they've been doing some picking up, man. If they can afford it, it's in their cap range. Might be the man. 
I Holy agree. fucking wagon are they building over in Buffalo then, eh? They better have some of them goddamn all dressed right. chips. <laughs> Dude, all the all all the shitting I did on fucking Buffalo and now they're gonna be a complete fucking wagon and just put it right up my hoop. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. All the exactly. boards are coming off the windows. <laughs> <laughs> one by one. So what do yeah, you yeah. fellas? There's gonna think? be a parade down there. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, uh, what do you guys think? Should we flip over this interview? Because I'm fucking geeked. Stoked. Absolutely. These guys here, these two guys were in their fucking glory when we had this interview. And uh, honestly, he was like, it was like we sat down in a shop and was just crushing beers. And he was just that easygoing of a guy. We're going to have to get the catheter out for the next interview. (laughs) True story. True story. This guy is a total god rocket. Yeah, I made sure that I actually wrote that on the on the little like thing there about him that I wrote there the post. So, uh, what do you guys think? Should we flip it over to him? Let's go. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Todd Warner. Roll it. Are you looking to hire a photographer? Check out Windsor's own Melissa Fay Photography. With affordable and professional services ranging from lifestyle newborn to weddings and any of life's important events in between. Mention Hot Trick Hockey and enjoy 10% off any service. Find her on social media as Melissa Fay Photography. And this next guy we have on with us was drafted fourth overall in 1992 by the Quebec Nordiques. Then went on to play 453 games in the NHL, most of them with the Leafs, but had stops in... Tampa Bay and Phoenix. Oh, oh and you, don't, you don't have to list them all. You don't have to list Philly. <laughs> and Nashville. <laughs> if you are a Leafs fan, this man needs no introduction. I want to give a big hat trick hockey welcome to Mr. Todd Warner. Thanks, boys. Good to be with you. Good to be how's with it going, you. man? How's, how's everything going? Good, yeah. I mean, it's given the circumstances, it's been, you know, kind of quiet around here. We just found out yesterday. So, I, you guys know I, I coach at the University of Windsor. So, we found out we're no season. So, that's the latest news with us. So, that's bad news. But uh, we're going to get to practice with the kids and a bunch of them are in town. And so, uh, I, I miss being behind the bench, you know, of course. So, but feel bad for the kids who, uh, in all sports, all youth sports are, are going to get to play this winter. So, that's, uh, but family's good. We're all healthy. Um, Gosh, I got caught up in all my yard work this summer, you know, sitting around for too long. Uh, got, built a tree house, so uh, I've been busy, really. Is that the new man cave? No, I don't. Hey, I got I got three girls in this house, boys. It's no man cave. Sorry. <laughs> so you're uh, a dad uh, rocket. I, I'm, a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a girl dad. I'm a girl I'm a dad rocket, yeah. <laughs> well, let's hop right into her here. So okay. where did you play minor hockey at? I played here in Blenheim. So just down the road, just south of Chatham. I'm, that's where I live now. Um, yeah, played. Uh, we were lucky. We had good coaching. Like we had uh, guys that came back from university that coached us. Mick Gray was a, was a BU guy. Um, uh, Doug Johnson, North Dakota guys, guys from the area that uh, moved back. And, and so we had lots of competitive teams. Won a few Ontario championships. And we played B hockey, which, you know, kids don't even understand what that is today. But but we would play Chatham and we would play London and we would play competitive teams from bigger centers and always always played pretty well. And So, uh, yeah, a really good group of players. Um, 
gosh, I think my last year was major ban and we lost in the, in the Ontario finals down in, uh, down Kingston way. And then, um, so played, uh, exclusively here, played a little bit of summer hockey out of Windsor, um, as a 13, kind of 14 year old before I went to junior and went to junior B camp, uh, as a 15 year old in Chatham mm-hmm. after my minor hockey. How did you, uh, end up with the Spitfires? So I went to, when I went, uh, we played in the finals in Bantam down, uh, it was in a little town called Napanee. And then the next, so that was, you know, the spring of 89, I guess, right? Taking you back a little bit. Um, and then literally like two weeks later, we had junior B rookie camp in Chatham. So I went, um, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10 and a buck 50. You know, like I'm just a kid, right? But I'm thinking it'd be good to go for the experience. I got a bunch of the guys from our team got an invite. So I uh, went. I uh, wasn't really expecting to get a, an invite back, but I did. And, and then uh, yeah, I made the team. The coach was Wayne Jacklin. Do you remember Wayne? He coached a little bit with the Spitfires in the 90s, later, um, one season only, I think. But was a was an older guy, coached senior hockey this way, Dresden, uh, Bothwell, back in the day, and coached my dad. Wow. So he was the coach. Yeah. He was the coach of the B team. And that's really, you know, looking back on it, that's the reason really that I probably made it. Like, I, you know, I, I thought maybe I could play some junior C that year. Might, might still be a midget. Who knows? I was pretty small and young, but made the team. And um, I was completely off the radar. Like, honestly, when I say that, like at, as that season started, there was, I'd watched the OHL, but I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't a name that they talked about. Like I was, you know, slight. I played on the team in Chatham that year. We were the Micmacs that year. It was a three-year window there with the Micmacs. And Brian Wiseman was our was our our big name. And that's the year you guys may remember. He set the the scoring record for junior B hockey. It was 146 or something points. Wow. So I was a 15-year-old on that team, and he'd already signed a letter of intent to go to Michigan. And um, so I was, you know, swept up in this team that was, you know. 38 and five on the season went right to the you know, semis in Ontario. We lost to Stratford in the semifinals. And by, you know, by the second half of the year, I was playing second, third line kind of come from nowhere and, and uh, on a good team, lots of guys scoring regularly. And I went from being completely out of the picture to like a first round uh, OHL pick. And it literally happened in like a three or four month window playoffs. I had, I think we played 21 games. I think I had 16 goals or something oh, wow. like in that playoff run with our, with the junior B team. Like, so yeah, I, I really didn't think that I was going to be, you know, like I'd watched the OHL. My dad used to work here in town for a guy named Lyle Giffen and his son was Lee Giffen. You may remember that name. He played a little bit of the Penguins back in the eighties. So he played in Oshawa and, and we used to go to watch him play uh, all over the place. But so I'd watched the OHL, pretty close. I'd been in the old barn to watch uh, Graves and that crew play. and So I had an understanding of the OHL. I just didn't really, con- you know, you don't consider yourself at that age ready to ready to play there. It's a big so, Yeah, for sure. And like, when you go watch the <laughs> when you go watch a game in the old Windsor Arena, like, and you're 12, 13 years old, you're thinking you're, you're, you're decades from playing at that level. It was crazy <laughs> at the time. So, yeah, it happened real fast and I came from you know, relative obscurity, you know, I played some spring hockey. I knew who the good players my age were just from playing a couple of tournaments, but uh, I wasn't really mentioned in the same thing light as those players at that time. So, mm-hmm. 
Well, I got a question for you. So 1991, uh, 9091, you were playing with the Spitz with Corey Stillman. Yeah. You were both 16 at the time. I mean, the lead, uh, your uh, team average age, I think, was 19 or 20. So, I mean, you're both the yeah. kids on the ice. You both accrued right. 165 points. Um, you know, you went first uh, first round in the draft, fourth. He went sixth. Uh, you know what I mean? Can you just tell me a little bit of, uh, you know, your time in that era earlier, early in your career and the friendship you would have made with Corey Stillman? Well, listen, I tell people I played, you know, most of my two years in junior, at least in Windsor, with either Stillman or Bill Bowler, you know, two of the best playmakers that the league has ever seen, like, honestly. And, and you know, that, that first year, you know, I was the first rounder. He was the second rounder. And there was a bit of, you know, internal competition. But we had an older team. So, we really we, – there was zero pressure on us. Like, we added Cerrone and we had guys like Jason York and Tyler Erdo. We had a bunch of older guys. Jeff Wilson was our goalie. Like, you know, so we, you know, coming into the team like that, you know, we picked third in the draft. So, they come off a poor season. But I don't think anybody expected him and I to – to come in and, and carry any kind of offensive load. So we just, you know, Motor City Smitty was our coach, you remember, and, <laughs> and he was he was awesome. Like, he just – He was a beaut. Yeah, he was a beauty, no, for sure. But he was – you know what? Like, he – I loved him, and we all – everybody did. Like, the older guys sort of – he sort of just said, hey, listen, like, we got a couple rookies on our team that are ready to play, and I'm not going to have any bullshit from a few older guys complaining about ice time or whatever. We know these guys can play, so – you know, embrace them and, and let them do their thing. They're going to make you better. And I think when you hear a coach say that about you, like, I mean, it sort of just empowers you to do better. And so Corey, I mean, Corey had a hundred points. Like yeah. he ran our power play from the blue line. Like he was a 101, 101, you were very close, but I mean, I think you were injured for a few games, if I'm correct. Yeah. I missed some time, but I mean, yeah. like, you know, how many, how many guys come into the league and are quarterback in the power play from the blue line out of position? Like he was right. that good. Yeah. So, I mean, and then we added Cerrone at the deadline. He had 60, nearly 60 goals that year. So we, you know, we were an older team and they, and the guys were good to us. I mean, that's really just it. Like the guys were good to us. They knew we could help them and, and Motor City wasn't going to, wasn't going to have it any other way, you know? And so that's the kind of guy he was. And he, so he made that pretty clear early on. And so Corey, you know, yeah, small rink, you know, the, you know, the old barn, it was, it was crazy. Like, and so he, you know, he could see the ice and make plays in small space. This is what the, you know, small, small space hockey was. That's what it was back then. Right. So he, and uh, he made everybody around him better. And clearly, uh, you know, later on bowler was a similar kind of player, maybe not as polished as, as Corey, but you know, as far as past first guys, you can't find two better ones. So I was really lucky. And I just skate, shoot, get to the net. That was my thing, you know, other than uh, Schmitty having probably the greatest hair in hockey. What was your most memorable uh, time with uh, Smitty? Wow. Uh, most memorable time with Smitty. Like even if it was in a dressing room, whatever. I can remember him grabbing one of our guys. Like Smitty, you know, <laughs> Smitty, he wasn't much for the, the whiteboard. You know, like he didn't have a chalkboard at the time, but whiteboard. Dave Perpich, you guys would know Dave Perpich. He was yeah. our assistant coach. He did all the he did all the tactical stuff. Like he ran practice for the most part. But Smitty was like, and I think it's a skill, you know. Like I really do think the coaches, like the modern coaches, that can can uh, you know find a find a way to 
motivate a team on a Tuesday night in November for no apparent reason, like other than it's us against them, you know, and some coaches do that really well. And Smitty could do that, you know, like he would, I remember him grabbing Brian Forstall and he's like, this guy plays with heart every day, you know, just yelling and, and poor, poor Frosty was like, oh, he's going to get choked out, I think. But, you know, just, just little things like that. He just, he just had a, a passion for the game. He couldn't ignore it, right? And so I love that about him. And uh, there was a night when we were – he was doing the Roger Nielsen. We were playing London. It was in the playoffs. And they – I think they, they scored a goal. I want to say it was in overtime or late in the – right at the end of in, um, the 60 minutes. And we didn't think it was a goal. Don Van Massenhove, of course, thought it was a goal, calling it a goal. And Smitty was, like, white toweling on the ice trying to get at Don Van Massenhove because the game had ended, right? Well, the crowd, you can imagine, in Old Windsor Arena, the crowd is throwing every and all things on the ice. And I remember leaving the ice that day in my white Spitfire jersey, and somebody hit me with a slush, blue, blue slush from the crowd come down. And I was covered in blue slush all over my Spitfire shirt. And Smitty was going to kill Don Van Massenhove. And yeah, I mean, stuff like that happened every day at the, at the old, old Windsor Arena. You guys know. But, but Smitty was just, you know, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't deny it. He was just loved. He loved the kids. He, he didn't let anything bad happen to you. Like, he'd look after you. Like, he cared about you. And that goes a long way, right? And he, um, yeah, he just uh, got the most out of guys. And it wasn't X's and O's. I think it's, it's a legit, legit skill for a coach to be able to do that. Do you remember playing uh, with Denny Purdy? Yes, I do. I love Dennis. We, we, just, we just dropped him uh, last week. Last week no, was his interview. Sorry, this on uh, Wednesday. His we interview just... is coming Wednesday. No, did you did he tell you about his last game? His interview is coming Wednesday. Yeah, right. <laughs> did, Denny, did Denny tell you about his last game? In Windsor, well, I saw him, that was when he was in London. But no, when he played for us and he was the captain, did he not? You didn't tell no. you? I maybe no. I, I shouldn't even I shouldn't even say. But Dennis Purdy, so you you guys know he played in London. He was like you know local boy. He'd come back and he yeah the the one you're telling me about I remember too. He we were sitting on the bench, and Dennis was in the penalty box, and you know how the penalty box was like right up in the crowd back then at the old yeah. and there was no glass. So this lady come down and started screaming at him, like just leaned in, leaned into the penalty box at Dennis. Did he tell you this? And he poked her, gave her, gave her a poke with the butt end of his stick, like, right. So biker boyfriend comes up from five rows down. Did he tell you? And so Dennis reaches up and grabs the guy. And at this time, like, there's three levels in the penalty box, and the guy landed like six feet down on his back, right in front of the door at the at the boards. And all we could see was Dennis's elbow just going up and down, just pounding this guy <laughs> in the belly box. Jack. <laughs> so, of course, the crowd, the Windsor crowd just hates him. Like, just hates Dennis. So, we bring him back as a captain. Max signs him and makes him the captain. Well, he did, it took him forever. We're, we're a terrible team at this point. This is my third year. And, uh, and we're losing, losing bad. I think it, it was right before Christmas. I want to say, oh, gosh, was it right before Christmas? or Yeah, right before Christmas, 20th. December 18th, maybe we played London at home and Dennis scores the winning goal in overtime. And this is like our sixth win of the year. Like we're, you know, six and 16 or something at this point, we're struggling. And he, I go to tackle him because we hadn't won in two weeks. I go to tackle him and he gives me the Heisman right up through the middle of the ice. He shoots everybody the finger in the Windsor arena where he'd come back to play. Right. 
and he skated right out of the end of the rink, and that was the last game he ever played. He was playing in Toledo the next week. <laughs> it's a true story about Dennis Brewer. Yeah, we never heard that one. Yeah. We heard about the, the penalty box one because I, 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 I texted him, and he said, ask Todd about where he was sitting when I grabbed that guy and threw him in the penalty box. I was on the bench. All we could see was him go down on top of this biker guy. Big guy, too. Like He, he fell six feet on his back. And all we could see was Dennis's elbow just jackhammering this guy in the penalty box. Just his elbow going up over there. But no, Dennis. So, so like you gotta understand though, like the crowd didn't really embrace Dennis because he'd been he'd been a knight for three years, you know. Like yeah. And so you know, it, it sounds like a good story. You bring the local boy home, make him captain. But we were a bad team, and he'd get booed every game. So he had enough. I fully understand it. So we win the game against his old team. He scores the goal. So guys are just filing off the bench trying to tackle him, but he's just sloughing guys off and he gives everybody the finger in the Windsor arena <laughs> we won <laughs> it was one of the I'll never forget it and then he just skated right out the end of the rink towards the dressing room and then he was playing in the East Coast League the next week like he just wrote his ticket out yeah. it's, it's, it's the kind of thing he went on there yeah that's right that's right <laughs> what's the uh what's the craziest thing you've ever seen in that old barn like was it that? Other than, was it Denny. Just, other than Denny. What's the craziest thing you've seen there? Well, Denny'd be up there. I mean, that was that was crazy, but we, I mean, we've all been frustrated to the point where, you know. It could be something you know, I watched, that, like made you I watched laugh. a brawl. I watched a brawl when I was a kid. Um, gosh, it was when Gravy was playing. Like brown unis, old CompuWare unis. Oh, wow. And, uh, and the long pants. And I just, I just remember what I remember about it is like the, the smoke billowing out of the, uh, you know, concessions, <laughs> like the hallway after, like, <laughs> and like there was a brawl, there was a brawl, and it was just, it was foggy. You couldn't see like the end of the brawl, like it was like foggy on the ice. That's just my memories of it. But it was like Kelly Kane and and uh, Featherstone and that kind of the group of guys, and I forget who they were playing, but was it the suit? It was scary. Like, was I remember like, being a 12-year-old boy and thinking, wow, this is crazy. We got to get out of here. My mom was nervous, too. So, yeah, that would be my, one of my first memories. But I saw a squirrel fall to the ice there. I saw – I mean, people used to get hit with pucks. You forget, like, the glass was only, like, six feet high. Yeah. Right? People used to get hit with pucks. Like, a guy would dump a puck and it hit somebody eight feet away, like, right in the face. You know, like, people used to get carted out. And it one was, guy it was, died, it was chaos. A girl. A girl. Was it a? She got a, a girl got a puck in the face, and then they put the screen up. Yeah. No, but I think some. What was it? A girl or was it a guy? That's because one of the guys, or I think it was a kid or something, got hit, and like he almost died, and then that's when they put the higher glass. Yeah. No, it was. It was definitely late, but I mean, things used to happen in there. Like, I used to feel bad for the other team. Like, <laughs> I mean, like they try to get out of the arena sometimes, and you'd have they'd have to be swinging their sticks just to get off the bench. Oh, that's insane! At the at the end of the first period, you know, like let alone the end of the game. My grandma, uh, what my grandma was a billet uh, when Roland Melanson played there. Okay. And when yeah. you're talking about that that brawl, I remember one of the brawls spilling up into the crowd. It was against Sault Ste. Yeah. Marie. Well, this would have been eighty-seven, maybe eighty-six, kind of in there. Like it was, oh, it was a tough team. They were a good team. Yeah. I mean, it was right before they got really good. I think. Uh, yeah. And they had, you know, back then everybody had a half dozen guys, like right? so. But I just remember the fog and the smoke, and just the just the whole atmosphere was 
It's pretty crazy for a 12 year old. <laughs> it smelled like darts and uh, Every, fr yeah. French fries and vinegar. <laughs> the faint, That's right. little yeah. faint popcorn smell in there somewhere. Do you guys have any more like Windsor stuff before we, huh? we move on? No. Okay, so we'll move on to your NHL draft. So you were obviously there, right? When you got drafted, where yeah. was it at? Well, I got drafted. It was at the Montreal Forum. Um, in 1992, so you guys will remember uh, Eric Lindros, yeah, and how he he didn't put the Nordique jersey on. So the story goes like this: like my agent was Don Meehan, so Newport Sports, and um, so so Donnie Donnie had to buy me a suit. He wanted me to have me have a nice suit for the draft because I was going to be. So at that time, you guys won't remember, but I was the first rated player. So at the end of my second year, I'd hurt my knee. I kind of came back. We played a playoff round, and then I, we were out. And so teams were worried about my knee. I, I did some tests. I had to, you know, I went to see Leaf doctors to actually have my knee tested to make sure I was fit to be drafted. So, anyway, Donnie lives in Toronto. So he picked me up. We left from Toronto, but I drove down there. He picked me up. We drove to Montreal, where Donnie Meehan is from. So he went to McGill. He's a lawyer. And so he was going to take me in early. We left on the Wednesday for the Saturday. It was a Saturday draft, one day only. So we go, uh, we leave Wednesday, we check in, you know, it gets me a suit, the whole nine yards. And so I, so the story behind it is that I'd been to Tampa. So this is the year that Tampa is a new franchise, right? So Tampa had had myself and uh, Brandon Convery, uh, Mike Rathke, uh who else, to Tampa. We'd all gone to Tampa in, say, May to do like a, just a, like a pre-scout for them, like meet all the, meet all the prospects, get to know them better, see the city, see what the new franchise is going to look like. So Phil Esposito is the guy that does it. He sets it all up. He flies us all in. We tour around Tampa for a few days, go home. Phil calls me the next week at home and says, you're our guy. We're taking you. And so this is the first year of their franchise. Phil's the general manager, Esposito. So this is like middle of May. I got a month, six weeks till the draft happens. So I don't interview with anybody. Like I, I'd interviewed with, you know, it was the interview process now is way different. Like these guys go to like a, you know, a, a boardroom in a hotel and the GMs come to them and they, they talk all day long. Like we, we used to have like a Ranger scout would show up at practice on a Tuesday and say, let's go have lunch or let's go have dinner after practice. And that's how you would, that's how you met teams. Right. So I talked to maybe a half dozen teams throughout the year, but I didn't talk to anybody after this May trip to Tampa because I thought that I was going first overall. I didn't turn anybody down, but everybody thought that. So, so I'm supposed to keep it under wraps. I try to, like I tell my immediate family, a couple of my buddies. So we're, so draft being in Montreal, we're from here. We're from Blenheim. My dad's friends are all Habs, huge Habs fans. So there's like 80 people from home that go to the draft. And most of those people at least know that I'm going to go first overall to Tampa. So I get there Wednesday with Donnie Meehan. Friday after lunch, he calls me to his room. Donnie calls me in my room. He's like, hey, come down. I got some news for you. I go meet Donnie. He's like, hey, uh, I just got off the phone with, uh, with Phil Esposito. Because it's their, it's their first year of, as a franchise, they want to allow their scouts and, and hockey ops people to be in charge of the first selection. So they're going to take Roman Hammerlick, which – was a good choice in hindsight, right? But so now Donnie says to me, he's like, so I don't know. 
I don't know where you're going. So this is, so you got to understand, like, so for six weeks, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to be a Tampa Bay Lamb. I'm going to be the first pick in the draft. So Friday, you know, 11th hour, Donnie calls me to his room. He's like, hey, um, don't know where you're going now. So, because I hadn't interviewed with anybody. I hadn't talked to Ottawa or San Jose or in months. So we're sitting on the, <clears throat> we're sitting at the draft. It's a good story because if you know who Donnie Meehan is, he's one of the nicest people you ever meet. Salty or, you know, can't get a square word out of him. He's just, you know, the best. Anyway, so we're sitting there. My family's to my left. My mom and dad, my sister, Donnie and, and Newport guys are to his right, to my right. So draft starts, they take Hammerlick. And so people behind me, we have all these people from home. You know, we can hear them, hear the people behind me, like, oh, you know, what happened, the, the buzz behind, like, what happened there? That was, I thought it was, I thought Todd was going first, you know, whatever. Yashin goes second. Mike Rathje goes third, right? So I'm sitting there on the floor. Now it's like, you know, the, the TSN cameras come up the, app, the, the aisle, and now they're, they're looking at me on TV because, like, what happened to Warner? I thought he was going first overall, right? So, like, people don't know. I'm not allowed to tell anybody, of course. So I'm just sitting there, and then, so Donnie's secretly hoping that I can go to, go to Toronto at six or seven, whatever they picked that year. I think it was six. And so he's hoping that teams will just pass and that I can, I can be a Maple Leaf and be in Toronto. Well, Quebec stands up from the table. This is the year after Lindros had gone, gone to the podium, told them not to select him. They do anyway. He takes the jersey, puts it under his arm, walks away. And so we all know the story now of Marcelo Boo and, and the things that went on with him and notoriously cheap two years later, the teams in Colorado anyway. So Donnie knows, of course, knows all this behind the scenes, but he's, you know, he's not going to tell an 18 year old kid and ruin his day. So we're sitting there and Quebec stands up and they're only 50 yards away and they kind of nod over at Donnie like, yep, we're taking your guy. Right. So you understand my dad's here, my mom, my sister, and Donnie's on the other side of me and Donnie goes, Donnie Meehan goes, oh, shit, Quebec's going to take you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting in the forum, eight rows up from the floor, and that's what I hear, like, moments before I get picked. I'm like, oh, that's good. So I don't really care, right? So they pick me, of course. I go up, and keep in mind, we're in Montreal, a year after Lindros. So I put the jersey on, put the hat on, the place erupts. Like, people stand up and cheer. And so as this is happening, like I'm standing there with Pierre Paget, the coach, Pierre Gauthier is the general manager, Obu, they're all on the, on the podium with me. And they're like, well, that's because of last year. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. So the Francophone fans in Montreal Forum are cheering because I put the Nordique jersey on. Imagine <laughs> that, right? So Lindros, Lindros doesn't put it on. A year later, I do, and I get a stand. I get the best ovation. Anyway. I, get, I, get, I get the ovation like I got picked first overall. So. <laughs> anyway. So that was, yeah, that was how it started for me. And then I tell a story like that night, we're all partying. So I've been there since Wednesday, right? I had like a little corner suite. So we have guys like, well, the second round pick to the Quebec that year was a guy named Paul Brusso, uh, McCarty, uh, Nathan Lafayette, Bearhouse, a bunch of guys that were in the OHL that I knew were in my room partying. And we'd gone down to St. Catherine Street, come back. <clears throat> so we had our jerseys on. We were wearing our jerseys. You can imagine. You're Montreal wearing your jersey. So, and you got to understand, like, there's, like, 25 of my friends that are in the city, too. They've all driven down and got rooms. And so we're partying and carrying on. It's about 4 in the morning, and we're at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal, which is the, you know, nice hotel. Anyway, so, um, rap at the door. 
I'm asleep on my bed, Nordique jersey on, passed out. Knock on the door. My buddy, one of my friends, childhood friends, uh, Tim Sanford and Russo are the only ones left at this point. Everybody's kind of cleared out, but it's late. And they've ordered food. So they're sitting like at a little table at the end of my bed eating. And it's rap, rap, rap at the door. And so I don't hear it. I'm passed out. I'm asleep. Four cops. Four oh, cops shit. are at the door. So they come in. <laughs> they, they shake the place up. I, the guy's rolling me around on the bed. I, I'm not awake. Finally, I, I wake up. I put my hand down on the nightstand. Handcuffs. <laughs> cuffs me. Nordique jersey on in Montreal. Cuffs. Right out. So I'm looking at my buddy like, what the fuck? fuck going on here like what's going on so what happened was somebody taken my phone and my house phone in my room and and it was off the hook knocked it off the hook you know there's dozen 15 people in there at any given time so people have been complaining there's been noise complaints all night so somehow it went to my room so the cops got called and they're gonna now evict me from the hotel but you gotta understand it's like i've been there since wednesday i got clothes all over there's people you know there's people in and out of the room like things left so my buddy, so what happens is these cops roll into my room. Paul Brusso, God love him, great, great French Canadian, play with him later. He, get, he panics. He's like, I can't, I'm out. I'm going back to my room. So he, he runs. He's out of there, right? So it's just me and my buddy. He's got to pack all my bags because I'm in cuffs now against the wall in the hallway. So my buddy packs all my bags. By this time, it's like 5, it's like 5.30. Yeah, this is a real story. I tell this story. It's 5.30 in the morning. And we got the trolley from downstairs. We got all my bags loaded up on this trolley. He had to do it all himself. They wouldn't even let me. So I'm like, hey, boys, you can't let me walk through the lobby with my, my jersey on. Like, like, let me take this off. No problem. So they're, they're saying, you're out of here. There's been complaints all night. You haven't been answering your phone. You're, we're evicting you from the hotel. So we take this trolley. It's like quarter to six in the morning. They let me take my jersey off, thankfully. But I'm walking through the Queen Elizabeth. You got to understand, like, every NHL team is there. All the media are there. <laughs> and, and my buddy and I are just craning our necks, like, who's awake at this point that's going to see me getting kicked out with four cops on my arms? Nobody was there. Thank God. So they take us right out of the hotel, and we, we unload our bags right on the steps of the train station next door. So pay phone. Call back to the hotel an hour later. Sun starts coming up, and now we're like, well, we can't be sitting out here on the street with all our shit. People are going to know, right? So we called Donnie. I called Donnie in his room. And of course, Donnie's from Montreal. He knows the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. He goes, okay, go into the train station. Bring all your bags. Take, go into the train station. Walk across to the back door. It goes into the, goes into the um, kitchen of the hotel. Take an elevator to this. Walk through the kitchen. I'll meet you at the next elevator. So my buddy and I are like, how does he know to do this? So we do exactly what he says, carry all our bags, go into the train station, go to some elevator, into the kitchen of the Queen Elizabeth, back in, and there's Donnie, me and, in his robe. <laughs> okay, my, my agent, who I just, you know, the night before I got picked, and he's just, he's just looking at me like, what the hell did you just do? You know? <laughs> so that was, my, that was my draft night in the nutshell, like the 24 hours. I thought I was going first, I don't. And then I get taken out of the hotel in handcuffs and almost thrown in the clink. And my agent just like, this kid, who is this kid? What do I got here on my hands? You know? 
So imagine if that's imagine that story today. Imagine that story today, like that news today. Yeah. Oh, oh you, there would be so everywhere. many cameras on you, phone cameras. So all almost, over social media. Here's sure. Quebec's first round draft pick. Yeah. Look how Montreal <laughs> fucked them over. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Warner wasted leaving the fucking place with four cards. Yeah. That'd go well. So it was almost over before it started for me. <laughs> really. That's a good thing it was at 5 a.m. finish that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. So where uh, were you when you got your first call-up into the NHL? So I was I, – I never – I played – went to two camps in Quebec, played in the Olympics, and then I got traded in the Wendell. So I got traded uh, with Matt Sundin when Wendell Clark left Toronto, right? So I was 20 at that time. And then the next year I went to camp, my first leaf camp, and it was the lockout. They had a lockout. So then I went to the minors. I had a dislocated shoulder. I didn't play a lot. And then when the season, the NHL season started again um, in January, I got called up for, oh, I think it was three or four games. And then back down for the American League, finished the season and, and playoffs. And then it was the next, my second camp um, in Toronto, I got cut again. I got cut again and then went to the minors, but only for a month and then got called up and stayed the rest of the time. So I was in St. John's, St. John's Newfoundland. It was in the, was a, the minor league team then. So you got traded for Wendell Clark and Sundin got <laughs> oh, traded yeah. for yeah, LaFave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. how it went? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I'll tell my grandkids. You always no. put that story. No, hey, I told you, when I played for the Spitfires, Motor City was our coach. And of course he was a Leaf. And so he knew what he went to our friends. Yeah. And like guys like Jeff Jackson and, and guys I knew. Uh, so when I hurt my knee, Smitty was made that call. He called the Leaf trainers and said, hey, you got to look at this kid's knee. They got to get clearance for him to be, uh, you know, eligible for the draft and just put everybody's mind at ease. So I went down. I met with uh, Chris Broadhurst, who was the Leaf uh, therapist at the time. And so he, of course, worked with Wendell a lot because Wendell was hurt all the time. And so that's when I first sort of got my bearings with the Leaf guys. Like I knew – all the people around the staff. And so when I got to the team and was traded there, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, Wendell, Wendell was like one of my favorites too. Like I get it. Like I, I wished Wendell was there too. Like, so, so I tell people like Clarkie, you know, like he was, how, how do you not like the way he played? And it was sort of like when I went to my first camp, I remember thinking, well, it'd be nice if Wendell was here. And so they kind of like, you know, I feel bad for Matt's because that's some big shoes to fill. Like when you come in on a trade like that, but, but for me, it was sort of like I was just a big part of that trade. But, but um, no, I knew Wendell and I knew a bunch of the players at that time when Pat coached Burns. And, and so I felt like if anywhere I was going to get traded, I'd feel most uh, comfortable there having been there uh, a few times already. So, Speaking of coaches, um, I mean, I know yeah. for the Leafs, you went through Pat Burns, rest in, rest in peace, Pat. Uh, mm -hmm. Mike Murphy, mm -hmm. Pat Quinn. But uh, moving on, you went uh, with – Steve Ludzig, Bob Francis, Ken Hitchcock, Mark Crawford, and a little bit of Barry Trotz at the end. So, like, I mean, out of all those guys, well, I had, uh, hold on, I had John Tortorella in there too. Oh, I, well, Tortorella, Tortorella was an assistant, oh, wasn't he? Fuck, you had Tortorella. No, he was. He took over. He took over in Tampa my second year. He was awesome. Yeah, was awesome. yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, out of all those coaches, who was the who was your favorite, and why? Oh, well, my favorite. I mean, I like I like. I liked a lot of the guys. I mean, um, I liked, you know, I always say I have a soft spot for Pat Burns because he gave me a chance to play when, you know, you guys are, won't made, 
may remember, but Pat loved to have his veteran teams, right? Pat Burns was of all about, like, the team I came into had been in the Final Four twice, and they were all, like, veteran guys. And, and uh, so Pat, he wasn't real, you know, he wasn't real warm to me at first, you know, because I was young, and, and, and you can imagine how that went. But he didn't, you know. And got arrested, and he's a cop. Yeah, he probably knew. He probably knew my track record in Montreal. <laughs> He's a Montreal cop. I never He's came the one up. That probably arrested you. I, I never. That never came up because we never talked. Like I sort of got. Like he never talked to you, right? So, but but you knew exactly where you stood, and like, so it took me. Gosh, it took me a few months to kind of get to play regularly. I sat out a fair bit, and I wasn't the kind of kid to plead my case and and go into the coach's office. And you imagine how Pat would have thought thought of me. So I just kind of put my head down, kept working and I knew I could play at that point. So it was just a matter of, you know, winning them over and doing the things I needed to do to, to play on a Pat Burns coach team. It was a different, different animal. Um, so I always have a soft spot for him because he gave me a chance to play. I mean, it was Cliff's team, Fletcher, and he made the trade, but ultimately Pat had to fix the lineup. And so, so I got in my foot in the door and then of course he got fired. But later we had, you know, I love Pat Quinn. I always say, you know, our team at that time, you guys may not remember, but 98, 99, like we had a, we had a team that was, you know, fat. We, we've been trapping for two years. Cause that's what everybody else did. You know, we've been playing a trap and backing up and playing like the New Jersey devils. And so Pat kind of, yeah, Pat came in and, you know, it, it didn't fit the mold because he, you know, you walk into the room and you think this guy's going to want you to play exactly how Pat Burns coached you, you know, like it, it's not the case with Pat. Like he, he really likes his players to, to play free and, and, create offense and and it's not uh, what you might think from from Pat Quinn so right away he, he said you know listen boys we're not built to play to grind and check and and so we're going to play how we're suited to play and so really like that turnaround from the, you know the 98 team the 99 team was really just a, a philosophy from our coach and yeah we got Cujo but we had Felix Pavan and and we got Brian Burrard and but we had Matthew Schneider like we had we had some, you know we had some good players that we added but yeah, like it just it just was a an approach, and so he he was he was really good at just I always say like just simplifying, you know what we needed to do on a given day. Like it, you know, Pat Quinn was just you know he had this presence about him, and he would he was wasn't a guy who spent a lot of time doing video or you know he had a cigar in his mouth, he grabbed the chalk for thirty seconds, and he just be like, here's 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 what we need to be thinking about, go, you know, and. So he didn't, and he wasted all his energy on the ref. He didn't get on you. He wanted <laughs> yeah. you to play like, he wanted you to, you know, so he wanted you to play, you know, offensive hockey. He loved creativity and, and he loved Pavel Bure and Trevor Linden, the guys that played that way. He really was that guy, not at all like he played. And so I admired him for that because it took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of balls to coach that way at that time because nobody did. Nobody did. And we were one of the few teams that, uh, that played like they play now really. And it took us right to the conference finals, but anyway, yeah. So Pat, you know, and I, I talk about torts, like, you know, John Tortorella, there's a reason he's still coaching and, and, and that people, you can't find a guy, you can't find a guy that's played for him that doesn't like him. And, and, and just ask around guys that have played elsewhere for some, some coaches, there's always, you know, and so with torts, like I always say, like I played, I played for Kenton Hitchcock and I played for Mark Crawford, other guys who won the Jack Adams. But I mean, with, with, with Torts, like he comes across to the media. Here's the thing about Torts. 
he doesn't miss he doesn't miss anything. Like if you if you're a writer or you're a podcast guy and you've said something about his fourth line right winger or his seventh D man or a guy that's in the press box or his PR guy, he's gonna know. Yeah. Okay. So then when you go into that media scrum, okay. He knows exactly who you are. And he's going to fucking torture. And if you say something dumb that day, he's going to embarrass you. Yeah. Okay? Because he's all about protecting his team. Yeah. And so many sounds. You guys – I know. But you got to understand, like, he, he doesn't he, – he's all about protecting his team. So, so, let's say I played for guys that were – I'm not going to mention names. I played for a couple guys who were like, hurry up and get out of the room because I got I to gotta do my media stuff. Coaches. So, imagine you're playing – you guys probably played somewhere. You have your own dressing room. It's the NHL. Yeah. You're, work, you're working out. You're whatever. You're shaving. Who cares? Taking a shower. And the coach is going, come on, let's go. Get, get out of here. I got I to gotta hold court with my buddies, like my media buddies. And then you got John Tortorella, who's like, I'm about the players on my team. If you're going to say something critical about my team and not have consulted me first, well, I'm going to take exception to that. So I'd rather play for that. Yeah. Then yeah, the guy that's can't can't wait to, can't wait to usher you out of the room so he can hold court with his friends and tell you stories behind your back. So listen, like there's a reason he's still coaching. And he does a good job. Like those guys in Tampa love him. All those guys, Saint Louis, Modine, Richards, all love him. And if you put those three coaches in a fight, who would win? <laughs> those three coaches? <laughs> well, Pat Quinn. Torts probably isn't very far behind. Well, but you got to remember, like, it doesn't come across maybe on TV, but Torts is like 5'7". Yeah, okay. but talks and like he's 10 feet. Buddy, buddy, he does not he, – he doesn't mix words. No. Like, I'll say that. Like, there was a period of time when he took over the team, and, you know, I love Steve Ludzig, but it was chaos. Steve Ludzig and Rick Dudley ran the team for a year, and Torch was an assistant. Torch and Sandy wasn't allowed to, you know. So and that's you know, but Duds and, and Rick, Rick Dudley and Steve Ludzig were together in, with the Vipers and the Miners. They'd won everything, mm-hmm. and they're like they just were at each other all the time. They're like you know, would, would drive each other nuts. And Duds was one of the smartest hockey minds you'll ever meet, but he would push Ludzig's buttons, and Ludzig would get fired up. There was a revolving door of players from the minors. We had 73 guys or something play a hockey game for the Tampa wow. Bay Lightning that year. So that just creates zero, you know, dressing room stuff. So when Torch took over, it was, it was like immediate. He's just like team meeting. If you show up here in flip-flops and you're 30 minutes before practice, you will not play that week. <laughs> like just stuff like that. Like just like, you know, so, and it was directed a lot of, at a lot of our young guys who never really played anywhere else to know like what it should look like. And so he used to call on like Mike Johnson and I and Freddie and guys that had played in bigger markets and say, Hey, talk to these kids. What the, you know, what's going on here? They can't be acting like they can't, they can't show up late for this or just blow off this or be, it was just a professionalism that we'd seen in Toronto that hadn't existed yet in Tampa and Torts had seen it in with the Rangers and seen it with Buffalo and seen it in other places. So it was like, you know, he's like, I need you to help me. And so then when he was mad at it, he'd stand right up, he'd stand and look right, right in the face and what the hell are you doing? You know? And, then, and so then, the next, and, then, and then, listen, he'd say, if you don't do this and this, I can't play you. And then when you did that, the very next game, the first time you did it, he'd meet you at the door and he'd go, good job. That's what I want. And then he'd coach. Right? Like he was, he was awesome. Like he didn't forget. 
And so I, and you see it now, like he, he talks about it, like, you know, guys are getting a fight or, you know, now it's like guys block a shot or just make a, make a grunt play when you need it. He'll be the first guy to meet you at the door. You know, like and a lot of coaches don't take the time to do stuff like that. It's small detail, but he'll give you shit every day, but he doesn't forget why. And when you do it right, he'll tell you right away. And he gets, he just, he creates trust. And we saw this year with the, Oh, who's the kid that he was yelling at on the bench? Um, anyway, so like, yeah, you know, scored a hat trick the next game. yeah, it's like the reason he can do that is because they like him. Yeah. It's like, you know, if, if you don't have a, if you don't have a trust with someone, like you can't expect to get an earful and enjoy it. But if you respect yeah, the guy and he, and, yep. yeah, Dubois, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Like he's screaming on the bench. Everybody made a big deal about him. Well, the only reason he can do that, it happens behind closed doors and it happens on a bus or a plane all the time. But he can do that on TV like that. And the kid's not embarrassed because he believes in the coach and he trusts the coach and he knows the coach is going to do right by him. If you don't have that and you're getting an earful, you're fighting back. Yeah. Right. So, so it's a, it's a real thing. Like, and this is the NHL, it's competitive, but Torx has got a really good pulse for the team. Uh, I would put him on the short list of those guys I played for, for sure. I wish he was a Toronto Maple Leaf coach. I really do. He could help. He could help. I, I just, I, I just think they're soft. What do you think about the guys they picked up this year? Yeah, I like what they did. I saw they signed Joe uh, Thornton today. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Joe will help with some of what we just talked about. You know, um, just holding guys accountable, and he's. I mean, I'm not sure how much you can expect from him offensively, but you put him around that many good players, he's still a good player, good passer. Um. I like Brody. I'm hometown St. Thomas right here. Are, are you? Okay. Yeah, I good. used to go to school with his brother, Alex. Oh, yeah. Big Alex here. I know. <laughs> Big A. Yeah. He's a, he's a beauty, too. Whole, he's a beauty yeah, too. no doubt. Do you think oh, that'll no, make him shave his beard? Not a chance. <laughs> Lou's not, not a anymore. chance. Lou's gone, so he's oh, okay. Yeah. He can grow it down no. to his fucking knees like father time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, well, he's playing right now in, in Switzerland, so it's, you know, for the free. fact that he, the fact that he would go to Switzerland and play again, I know his wife is from there. I think is that right? His wife, he met his yeah, wife yeah. there back when he went. I think they have a place so, there too. Do they? Okay. So I mean, that says he still wants to play. And if it wasn't the least, and somebody else would give him a chance, because he's going to play twenty games between now and and so he'll be ready in theory, be ahead of guys that aren't playing. So yeah, no. Uh, Simmons is good. Brody's good. Um, I like the Boyd. Travis Boyd's a good player. He's played on a good team. Uh, who am I missing? TJ Brody. Yeah, TJ Brody, Simmons. Fessy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Jimmy BC could be he could be a good pickup. Put him around some good players too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean they're they're better. Are they going to be able to compete with the big big boys like we saw playoff hockey this year? I, I don't know, but they're right I still there. Think they, they need to get they, tougher. That's maybe they need some maybe, more grit. When you got if Zach you can... Hyman as your tough guy, you know, like <laughs> come on, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's when, it. when Spez is I mean, protecting your top couple of guys there, I don't know what you might say. as well have Gary Vault do it. Bring your back, Gary Vault. I, I love, but Gary I love Gary Vault. That was that was one of the grittiest players. Like you and him played a lot played of like. Hard. He played hard. Yeah, you guys played a lot of like. I thought. I like Gary Bulk. I see him. He's in, he does TV in Vancouver. He was one of my no, favorites. I think, that, I think they're definitely better, but I think, you know, 
we saw again in the playoffs, you know, you have to play a certain way. And if you, you know, some of those players can adapt and, and, and learn and hopefully some it'll disappear. dawn on them. But yeah. So, I mean, it can happen. It's just, you know, there's going to have to be buy-in and a guy like Joe, a guy like Simmons, those guys are older. They've been through the, the battles. They can, they can help the young guys with that. But I mean, you sure. have, at some point, at some point it's going to have to dawn on them that, if they keep watching the way it works year after year, that we want to be one of those teams, we might have to do some of those things, right? So, yeah. What I uh, want to know with you is your first NHL goal. Who did you score it on? My first NHL goal was my when. Um, so I played the three or four games in after lockout ended, and then I went. Um, I went back to my second training camp. Went to the minors. And uh, got called up. It was October, late October, 28th or something. And it happened only because Bill Berg, you'll remember, broke his leg in a fight. Yep. Oh, wow. So Bill Berg got in a fight. And I'm sitting on the couch in St. John's, Newfoundland with my roommate, Matt Martin, the defenseman. You remember Matt Martin? Yeah. And he, and he looked over at me and goes, there's your chance. So we were watching Bill Berg break his leg on TV on the highlights. And sure enough, my, my phone rang an hour later. So called up, I played, that was my first game that year, and it was against L.A., and it was, uh, I scored in the third period with about 11 minutes left to tie it 2-2 and ended up 2-2. Oh. My first NHL goal was, oh, I, and the puck, I was cutting across the middle of the ice, the puck was shot, and it was like a little rebound, and I just shot it from the, like the high slot back across the goalie, and it went through him and in. So Nothing special. Be- Kelly Rudy. Byron Defoe. Sorry, yeah, Byron, Byron Defoe. Defoe. The oh, okay. Defoe years. Yeah, sorry, Byron Defoe. Two-two tie. October. It's in my. It's in the. It's out in the other room. Uh, there's a plaque. Uh, October. End of October. I played 13 games in the minors and then got called up. So one more thing while we're on the thing here with like goals and stuff. You scored the first goal at ACC, correct? That's right. I did. Okay, so I was actually yeah. watching that. I was actually watching that last night. And uh, one of the things that I believe it was Bob Cole and Harry, Harry Neal were Neal. on the feed, yeah. and they said that the guys in the room had something up on the board for the guy who scored the first goal there. Can you let us know what that was up on the board? That's not true. Really? That's not true. I've actually it? I've I've had people ask me that, and I saw it written in an article, like an old article. And uh, I mean, unless I wasn't included in it because they didn't think I was going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but no, well, I've like, not seen that. Maybe it was like the hole in one, right? You, you didn't get any part of it, and everybody else got. I wasn't celebrate. supposed to play that game. I wasn't supposed to play that game. I didn't get in on the betting. No, there was nothing on the board. Like we, we would put stuff like. See, here's the thing: when you play in the NHL and you go back and play uh, your old team, you guys know this. You have to put money up. So, like, if I was playing, so when I got traded from Toronto to Tampa and we came back and played the Leafs, that's going to cost me five hundred or more bucks, depending on the guy. Right, you put it on the board, game-winning goal. You can leave some for the trainers. You can put a meal on the board. You can shoe shine in the air, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, you put something on the board when you go back to your old team. But on that night, I don't know how many have, ex-Habs guys we had, but we played Montreal. It's the first game. I'm sure there was money on the board. I don't remember specifically, but there wasn't for – there wasn't like – I don't remember the guys making a huge deal about, like, who's going to get the first and who's going to get the last at the Maple Leaf mm-hmm. Like, we didn't talk about that. That wasn't the, the thing. Of course, we played the last game the week prior at the Gardens, and we got blown out. Chicago beat us six to two. 
So, and that whole, that whole scene was incredible because we, we, we felt bad that we lost the game because there was so much buildup. There was, you know, all the alumni guys were around for weeks leading up to the, the final game at the gardens. And then we laid an egg and, you know, they introduced the people. It was just so well done. Like, uh, Red Horner passing mats, the the torch and the whole the whole scene was cool. Like and for uh, you know, a lot of the young players to just to be around some of the the Leaf alumni guys that were our heroes was was really a cool a cool time. So we played played Chicago that night. The beat of six two wasn't even a really good game. The crowd was out of it midway through. So this going to the new rink, we'd done the tour, we'd seen what it would look like. We hadn't practiced there or anything yet, but but. Uh, so that night, I mean, that goal, I was, I was playing that, that I was playing a fair bit at that point. I was playing center, uh, won the draw. The shot was taken by Danny Markoff and was blocked. And then it was about, it was one of these pucks that was still kind of settling and I didn't get all of it, but it went in. And so that was, through a crowd. yeah, about six minutes into the game. But no, there was, hey, well, if there was a betting, I didn't get paid. I know that. So. <laughs> well, that's bullshit. Yeah, well, I heard, I heard you were trying to find that puck, and they'd already had it basically yeah. all wrapped up to go to the Hall of Fame. That's a that's a true story too. So th- this is all stuff we, you know, you know, when you're playing on a team and you're you're sort of like, uh, you know, you're in your own little bubble all the time, right? Like you're sort of isolated from some of that stuff. And Pat was always good about Quinn of, you know, sort of taking the the heat or deflecting attention or anything that needed was a distraction. He was always good about getting in front of that. So I mean. I got to the bench and I remember King or Chris King or somebody's like, you should get the puck. And I was like, yeah, I should. And by that time it had already been to the, you know, the, the booth, the, the box, and then the it's hockey hall of fame had, had uh, run in and scooped some stuff. So there was a sort of ongoing conflict between when we left the gardens and when we were in at the new air Canada center, where the hall of fame wanted all this memorabilia to go there. And our, of course our marketing and PR people wanted some things to put up in the new arena as well too. Right. So, so I, we, we had no idea, but there was a bit of a conflict there about what, who would get what. And so it occurred to me when I got back to bench, I mean, I don't go into a game. Like this is my seventh goal in February. Like I'm not, I'm not going to that game going thinking, well, if I get the first and last one, I'm going to try and get the puck. Like I'm just trying to play, you know? So I got to the bench and I was reminded of it. And by that point it was gone. The, the, the referee told somebody it was gone. And then at the end of the night, Stumpy, Steve Thomas scored the winner. And they took his stick and the and the puck from the, the game winning goal too. So, so yeah, I mean, great crazy night. Lot, you know, just the, the the change in you know the atmosphere difference from the gardens to to the Air Canada Center was was uh, was interesting. And well, as uh, a Leaf and, fan, that, as a Leaf fan, that year was a yeah. stellar year for any Leaf fan to watch. Yeah. Um, sure. I was actually at the first playoff game ever played. It was a three nothing loss to Philly. I went there with my dad and you guys okay, somehow yeah. ended up scoring nine goals in the second and the next five games to take the series and nine goals, nine goals in five more games, five more games. Yeah. And, and we got outshot. We got outshot probably two to one at that time too. It was, it was crazy, but that was what you guys remember that. That's I remember that series pretty well too, because you'll forget Cujo, like Philly offered Cujo yeah. a contract to that summer and he wanted, he of course wanted too much and they, they opted for John Van Beesbrook instead. So that was a bit of a, there was a bit of a thing there. And of course Schneider hated us and we, we'd had some battles during the year and they were a good team. Like in the, in hindsight, like Cujo won us that series and Beezer lost it for them in typical Philly goalie fashion. Right. 
But it was it was a tough series. They're a big team. They played hard. They kind of were a tough matchup for us because we were more about keeping the puck and scoring. But they would hem you in and grind you like you know a few teams could do at that time. And and then they outshot what they've been us doing for decades. Yeah, like they outshot us. I, I forget. I, I can remember at least two of the games. It was they had forty and we had twenty and we won two to one or something. You know, like yeah. it, so. Yeah. So we got we kind of felt like we got through that one by the skin of our teeth, and then we played better after that until Buffalo. But right, played good against Pittsburgh. Yep. So. Hell of a year though, as a fan. Just saying. Yeah, it was. So, so when you were you were in the NHL, like, uh, were you a prankster or did you get pranked on? <laughs> uh, I did some pranking. Sure. <laughs> oh, fill us in, Todd. Uh, fill yeah. us in. Kind of want to know. Used to, so I used to I used to room with we used to do like that was part of it. we used to guys guys rooms you know like so let's say you're on the road and you know you probably heard some of the, you know you put water at the door you probably guys have probably done this stuff but yeah, you go into there. somebody go into somebody's room and give and shorten the sheets so they try to get into bed and the sheets are only three feet long we're just trying to keep, <laughs> ever seen that done that's a funny one so you take you take a guy like Matt who's six five. And you, and you fold the sheets back up and tuck them underneath the bed, right? So fold, fold them right up and tuck them under. And then he goes to get into the sheets and he's like, he thinks the end, the end of the bed's right there. It's the funniest thing. So like, and then just wreck the room. Just wreck, just wreck the rooms. You know, like you go in and like put the nightstand over there, put the TV on the thing or whatever. And so you just go down to the front desk and tell them, hey, uh, I, need, I need a key to 405. You know, like they don't know whose room it is. They think it's yours. Like you can't get away with this stuff anymore, but when you're with a team, it's like, so yeah, I used to love to do stuff like that. And then on the planes, like you forget, we used to fly commercial, right? So we'd be like, there was times we'd be on the planes and guys would be throwing pillows at each other and cutting ties and, you know, like putting stuff in people's shoes. <laughs> I'm sure like looking back on, it, I'm sure like people were, that were traveling, like, you know, regular civilians are traveling with us. And then, you know, there's Ty Domi with half a tie on his plane, on the plane sleeping, you know, like I'm sure they thought, I'm sure they thought that was great. Right. Like, you, you look like Hardy anymore, from uh, yeah. Laurel and yeah. Hardy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't. I mean, when you fly private, it's easy to get caught now. You know. So, Who would have but we used to fly. We went out west. We go out west, and we would fly commercial. Like, and we would get you know the seven a.m. flight home, and it was a lot different back then. When, we, when I, the first few years, it wasn't until it wasn't until Pat came, I guess Quinn, that we flew. Uh, we had our own plane. Pat, so get we, it done. That's right. Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best he's the best i've never heard a bad thing said about him but he he just looks so mean all the time buddy i know like i got remember like he i remember when i got traded i remember when i got traded and i, I was thinking like the pr guy comes out and we're having lunch in the air canada center and he's like pat wants to talk to you i'm like oh Okay, like, you know, I talked to Pat a little bit. Like, I really only ever talked to Pat when we would skate around at the start of practice. Now, he was one of those coaches, like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't call meetings and he wasn't into, like, you know, bringing your line in to talk how you've been doing, at least not with me. We'd be skating around at the start of practice and he'd have, you know, 10 seconds to chat with a bunch of guys and that would be what that was his thing. But he called me in and I had no idea, like, I had no idea I was getting traded. Like, I was shocked. And he sort of was like, hey, listen, like, you played really well for us last year, the playoffs, and Cliff's been trying to get you in Tampa for two years now. And and so I finally pulled the trigger. And I'm like, 
what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you pulled the trigger? Like, he's like, I traded you to Tampa. I'm like, oh, I had no, no clue. So then he, you know, he just basically had like a little heart to heart about you. You know, we talked last year about doing this and you go down there and, you know, I know it's a shock to you and whatever else. And, and I was not prepared. I really wanted to play on that team. So he was great. Like he, you know, it, did, it didn't fit the mold. Like, he, you're right. He'd walk into the room and you'd be like, holy Christ, who's this guy? Like, he's a monster, right? But then he just had a way of, like – and I, I loved it because I get wound up. Like, you playing in Toronto, there's some pressure. And, you know, some nights you need a guy just as, like – I would say, like, he literally just would simplify the, the task. Like, here's what you need to be thinking about. We're going to do this tonight. Remember the last time, whatever, 30 seconds, that's your, that's your meeting. And it wasn't complicated, and, and he had a way of like just diffusing any tension. You know, like I, I like that. I like that from him because you look at him and think like you want this guy in your corner, but then he would talk to you like you, you know, like a you know, like your mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was one of those people. Like he he was he was great. I I like I liked him a lot. A big sweetheart. He was. He was. Yep. So but going oh. back to the 98-99, uh, I mean, you scored your first goal of the year, Canada Center, you know what I mean, and, and all that. Hockey Hall of Fame is where your stick and the puck went. Like, yeah. uh, just what else do you remember about that season, the playoff run? I mean, you got a whole bunch of – like the team was pretty stacked back in the day as there's, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the whole year, like I remember thinking, you know, just – the whole year was just an exciting, like we've got, I talked to you guys about how we just sort of, Pat just is like, we're not going to trap and we're not going to play a style that, that we're not suited to play. And all the guys are just like, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, we knew how we were built and how we could play. And it was just a matter of like, are we going to keep following the New Jersey's and the Dallas's of the league? Or are we going to play like we were suited to play? Right. So Pat, from that moment at training camp in Collingwood I'll never forget it like it was like yeah like that's what we've been saying to each other as players like we should be playing that way so he recognized it right away or it was in Barry excuse me you're in Barry and um and then just you know the the lead up to closing the gardens like it was just you know we're playing first of all we start off we're third in the league at the time and so no it was just we started hot we had you know we had Stumpy and we had um Sylvain Cote, Derek King, guy, we had some new guys, but I mean, really, we just played a style that we were suited to play. And Pat let us run with it. Like he was, you know, he'd get on us about defending. And, you know, when you got Cujo back there, it's like they say, you know, like Cujo's going to make that save, you know, so you're going the other way already, you know, like so <laughs> it's really true. And he, he loved it. And Cujo used to fire the puck up the middle of the ice. And Johnny and I, Mike, we used, to, we used to joke about we'd run into each other trying to get it at center ice, trying to knock it down, you know, like racing to get a breakaway. We'd run into each other. But I mean, it was just, it's just an exciting year. There was all the build up for the, the new rink, but closing the old one was, was cool too because you got all the X Leafs around. They'd all come down and, and, you know, Pat would let him talk to us after warm-up. Sometimes you'd have him in there and maybe, you know, nothing like, you know, Davey Keon and guys rolling into the room right before you go into play. Like, you know, that doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will. So we, we thought it was cool. And then we'd had dinners and we'd have, you know, sign, we'd, we'd sign um, memorabilia and stuff that would be uh, for auctions and things uh, about the uh, – uh, the gardens and the, the rink and we had all these pictures and things and signing days. And so it was just a, yeah, just a fun year. Good guys. And I remember like, 
And Cujo was like, Cujo was like our, our dad. You know, like I would say, like he had, a, he had such a nice way about him. Like we used to have parties at his house and he'd get us go out and ride horses and we'd take the Harleys and go ride on his property. And, and I mean, it was just like all, all these good people and we, and we were winning and we were having a lot of fun, like on and off the ice. And so that, yeah. And then to pull it together, beat the Flyers, you know, that was a big one. And then we kind of just realized that our style could overcome whatever. You know, like we're playing one of the best defensive checking teams in the in the game, and yeah, we got outplayed bad in parts of that series, but we won. And so it was sort of like, well, we can rope a dope and and still find ways to win. So that was once we got by them, I think we felt like we could we could beat anybody. But and then of course we ran into some injuries later on in the playoffs. But yeah, just an exciting year. You know, the old rink, so much history and all the all the you know you know, circumstance around that and the players we got to meet and the people were so excited to be involved in all that. And, and at the root of it all is that we're winning, you know, and, and, and with a new coach and, and he's letting us play how we like to play. So that was it. You played with some really tough guys in the NHL. Yes, I did. Like, uh, <laughs> Kelly Chase, Wendell Clark, Nick Kiprios, Ty Domi, um, Kenny yeah. Baumgartner. Yeah. Um, Darcy Tucker. Darcy Tucker. Who yeah. was the craziest one that you played with? Hockey well, Darcy Tucker. Darcy Tucker was crazy. Like it's funny to talk. Like his he eyes would like, like pop out of his head when he would fight. Eh? Okay. Buddy, he I, was. I, I he'll he'll apologize. He'll apologize for it today. Yeah. <laughs> when but you see I, him. Can I ask you a story? I, I tell you a story, and you tell me. If you were in that game, I'm watching Toronto play Ottawa and Tucker goes into the bench, kneels, kneels there. Everybody's there. Mm -hmm. And he's throwing punches into the bench and they're all grabbing him and smashing him and whatever. And in the background, you can listen to it to this day is they're playing that old Star Trek uh, sound drop. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Well, first of all, it I was the play. best fucking thing yeah. I've ever seen in hockey. I never, I never played with Tucky in Toronto. Like I played with him in Tampa. So here's what happens: I go, I get traded to Tampa, and he's there. And I just remember thinking, like, he was. It just wasn't the place for him because he, he played in Kamloops, where I think they lost twelve games in three years. Wow. And so he'd been a, a year in the minors, and then was with Tampa. So he got traded for Mike Johnson. So what happened was that training camp, Freddie Modine ended up in Tampa. Six weeks later, I go to Tampa. Eight weeks later, Mike Johnson comes to Tampa, but he gets traded for Darcy Tucker. In the interim, I play 15 games with Darcy. Well, we get the stats page at the end of the night and Darcy Tucker will have played 19 shifts, 26 minutes. 19 shifts, 26 minutes. And Ludzie, and so Ludzie wouldn't say anything to him because he'd probably kill him. <laughs> right? So Tucky would come in, and I, I liked him. Like I liked him away from the rink a lot. I still do. But when the game was on, he would, he'd be screaming at everybody. He was crazy. And I remember when we got, when he got traded. This is a true story. We got traded for Mike Johnson. He was one of my buddies. Everybody, it was like a collective sigh of relief. All the young guys in Tampa were relieved that they weren't going to get yelled at every day. Tucky was that like we were losing and he could not handle it. He did not want to be part of it. And it was, he'll tell you today, like he was, 
not a good teammate. <laughs> I mean, and so they get straight to Toronto and I would check in on the guys. I'm like, how's he doing? And he said, way better here. I'm like, well, cause you guys are good. And he's got like all these veteran guys around and Gary Roberts and Neuendijk and Mats and Ty that are going to, would say, Hey bud, take it easy. You know, or, or Pat Quinn, Hey, relax. Right. Yeah. And he played, played awesome. Like how good he played for Toronto, you know. He just had a, he, he, well, you could wind him up pretty easy. But in Tampa, in Tampa, when we were losing, I only played for him with him for a month. He was a nightmare. I gotta be honest. Jesus. And I tell, I told him. <laughs> Do you guys uh, have any more NHL stuff? Because I want to talk about real quick when he went over to overseas. Uh, no, I should. Hey, what, what, I, I have I one can. more NHL. Then, uh, what was your last NHL game like? Oh, my last NHL game was in Nashville. Gosh, I didn't know it was going to be my last NHL game. So what happened was uh, uh, I got picked up on waivers at the deadline uh, from Philly. And um, uh, Barry Trotz was our coach, who I love, too. I didn't mention him in the list of coaches. Um, Trotzy, we're in 10th place, four points out of eighth. With, uh, with 11 games left. And we got the Oilers who are eight twice. Yes, so we need to win probably seven, maybe eight. But the first, I play the first three games, we lose them all. Okay, so I get picked up off a couple waivers to go in. And Trotsky plays me. But one night in Minnesota, I think I played 25 minutes. We lost two to one or something. Like we're trying to get points just to get to that eight playoff spot, right? So I played a couple more. I don't. I actually don't remember who we played the last game. It was at home, though. And um, and it's my fifth. It's my fifth game or sixth game in a row, and we lost them all. <laughs> so I get there. We're we're in it. We're in the hunt. Like everybody still believes, and we go like a week and we don't win at all. So Trotsy comes, and I'm trying to remember who the other guy was that uh, that came at the same time. Um, and he says, listen, um, we got five games left. Uh, we can't, we can't, we can't make it now. I'm going to play the guys who've been playing here all year. You won't play any more games. So I, he basically told me like, he's like, I'm going to go with the guys over here all year. And I'm, what am I going to say? We, I've been there for 10 days. We lost six times. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Oh, sorry to hear that. What am I going to do? Right. So, yeah. so that, I, I don't even remember to be, to be fair. I assumed that at that point that it'd probably be in the league the next year. I wasn't. So I went, you know, the whole summer, uh, I had a couple of offers that got into October and I didn't really have, you know, training camps are breaking season starting. And then I went to Europe. So I had my agent kind of on standby at that point thinking, okay, you can go to the minors in Edmonton. They were in Toronto at that time. And I'm like, ah, okay, what else you got? And he's like, well, I got Russia. I could have went and played in Russia with Ovechkin. Oh. For Dynamo, for Dynamo, when he was a kid, I didn't know much about it. Sweden, main bank and, there. Yeah, well, yeah, but it was Russia. I wasn't sure, you know. Like I've been to Russia. And it was Nobody scary. was sure was about always, Russia. Yeah, yeah right. Sounds Just good. Go on favorite, the gas. Right? So I ended up in Finland. So I went to Finland. It was in October, and I went. The only reason I really went to Finland was because it was with Kevin Hodgson, who was the goalie that played for the Wings. Yeah. And. Yep. Um, and Haji was my was a teammate in Tampa. He's one of the funniest guys I played with. So he was going. He'd been to Russia. Haji mm-hmm. got let go, got fired, and went home. And then it's now October, and he's going back to Finland with me. And so Glenn Metropolitan played there. And I knew that, and so I said, "Well, I want to go 
I went to Jokerit in Helsinki and played. That was my start in, in Europe. I loved it. One of the things there, too, with Europe is I also noticed, I was, like, looking up a bunch of stuff with you last night. You okay. spent a lot of time in the penalty <laughs> box in Europe. What changed yeah. from the NHL to over wow. there? Because were you, you can't like, hit? Were you like fighting or like what the hell? No, were you doing I was. I, I would no. I didn't fight. I mean, I got in a few fights, but not really. It's just you know, you try to play the same way. The, it, part of it, to be to be fair, is the refereeing is. You know, I would never complain about the refs when I came. I tell my players that now when I'm coaching, like I'm not going to complain about the refs. I played Germany. Mm-hmm. It's really bad, but it's also that. The rules that were they were implementing in the NHL, like the, the obstruction and all the stuff, they were trying to do it in Europe, but they didn't really have a game plan. It was just like uh, that guy hits too hard, or that guy, that guy says oh, too okay. much, or you know what I mean. So there was years where the one year I played in Hanover, we had nine Canadians. I think eight of them had a hundred penalty minutes. It was just like they're just <laughs> they're, they're just fucking thicking on us. Like it was like, come on, boys, really? Like that's like you're gonna give me a ten for that? Come on, like, yeah. and you get tens, you get tens. So. I yeah, was it was say. it was frustrating, and then it's just after the first year. After the first year, I just I didn't I didn't probably handle it very well either. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah. uh, in two thousand eight, you were in Germany, right? Is that yes. is that where you played? Okay, so yep. in two thousand eight, you got the league award for the most penalty minutes. I've seen that on your. Hockey Woo! <laughs> Go Canada! Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, the commissioner didn't come to my door. I know that. <laughs> I was just like, because I it, honestly, it it fucking threw me off because I was like looking at all your stats and you're like. 30 minutes, 40 minutes over here playing. And then you go over there well, and you're like 160, too. 170. I'm like, holy shit, what say, a jump. I always, say, I always say, too, I played 250 games at the least. I think two of them were on a line with – with uh, Ty Domi and Chris King, there weren't weren't a lot of fights to get, go around. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there's any fighting. Everybody, the it. dance card is full. No, <laughs> there was, I, I I didn't really fight. It was mostly ten. Like I'd get tens for you know, yeah, hitting hitting and saying too much. Like there was, I probably had a hundred minutes in tens for fun. And, you know, some oh, okay. a couple of those years, but yeah, like the and then if you get a reputation, you can't get away from it. You you literally can't do anything. So I would just. Like the last few years, I just tried to play. Like I wasn't even really trying to hit, which was sort of hard for me to do, <laughs> not to do. Yes. So going forward, like I mean, uh, you were doing a little bit of broadcasting with Kojiko here in Windsor, and then you also did the Sportsnet thing. Uh, yeah. I understand with the COVID right now, how uh, you know uh, you're dealing with the Windsor Lancers. But moving forward, once all this COVID stuff goes away, would you rather be involved in the coaching sector of the game or would, were you liking the broadcasting? Uh, well, I like both. I mean, I, I don't think I have to decide at this point. Like, I mean, last year, last year I really enjoyed doing the Leafs. Like, I, I was the Leaf regional, you know, analyst on, on the panel. I, I really enjoyed that part. So whether that can happen even this time, like with the COVID, I'm not even sure if they're going to want – people from out of town to be in the studio. Like I know in the playoffs this year, for instance, they, you know, anybody that was local, they can be in the studio, but they would be in separate parts of the studio. You probably notice when you're watching and, and then they would go, um, you know, they would have Cassie Campbell or Colby Armstrong or Ellie, uh, Kelly Rudy, like regional, they'd be somewhere at home in their living room and just do intermission. So I'm not sure what it'll look like. Um, as far as I know, I'm still doing those games, but 
I like the broadcast. I mean, I got my start with York, you know, with Kojiko here in Windsor yeah. and, and um, I, I really enjoyed that. I didn't, I didn't see myself doing that when I was done playing, but, but um, you know, following your old team, I would always follow the Spitfires anyway. I might as well be talking about them. And so, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, knowing that, um, you know, Bob Bugner and, and Warren Reichel, well, I was you know proud to see these guys buy the team. And when I lived in Windsor, my billets were the Bugners. I don't know if you guys know that. So Bob Bugner, the coach yeah. junior would go up to the Sioux and I'd move into his bedroom. So I lived with Bob senior and Val they were my billets for two years in Windsor. So, so I always have a connection there. And, and so I'd keep track of the team. So yeah, when I was asked about it, I'd be like, yeah, I'll try it. I, I had no idea what I was doing, of course. And then, um, you know, got to do some junior games and get to do Morrow cup. I, that's always exciting, you know, when you get to go somewhere and cover the, the, the junior finals. And mm-hmm. so I like it, but you know, I've always liked coaching. And I said, when I first retired, I had my own facility. I used to do, you know, teams and and camps and lessons and we had a soccer program and I it just I, I stuck but as soon as I was done playing in Europe I owned this building and I, I retrofitted to do hockey and, and so I've always enjoyed the you know mostly the skill development part of it like working with kids and and, and just helping them get better I, I, I still love that I miss doing it now yeah. and then the coaching part um you know I started in junior a little bit I coached some minor hockey going up with my son's team and and I wasn't sure I wanted to be on the bench to be fair, but once you get your feet wet and once you know a group of players and you kind of get an attachment to them, it's easy to, it's easy to do. Like you sort of fall right back into when you were a player and, and um, the game's changed a fair bit. There's a fair bit of video. The kids are kind of always looking to find something new and, and uh, be creative. So they're, they're looking for constant kind of visual feedback as much as you can. So there's a fair bit of video and things that I had to learn. But ultimately, like you're you're dealing with people and personalities, and at the college level, they're they're big boys now. You can talk to them like you and I talk, and so it's I've I'd liked it, and I didn't know if I would. And I've known Hammer Kevin Hammer, the head coach, since uh, our time in Windsor. He came on with our team my second year. So, yeah, I, I would like to do both. I don't know if there's going to be time to do all that down the road, and what the what the the blueprint will be, especially with the TV stuff and how it'll work, but. Um, yeah, I hope I can do both. We'll see. So uh, coaching with, uh, you know, Hammer and, like, who who is your favorite assistant coach? Wow. Uh, <laughs> cool. So I've had a bunch. I mean. Go with Mike Paley. Favorite assistant coach. Oh, you mean with the Lancers? Mike Paley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're leaving. Oh, Mike Paley. Yeah, Mike Paley. Yeah. Mike Paley. So oh, he's telling us a story. We're, at, we're over at Misty's house and. <clears throat> And he's telling us a story. And he goes, "I call home. I, I, I'm I'm with Todd Warner. He's like, I call home. I say, Hey Tam, you know, do, do you think do you think Todd Warner's calling his wife and saying, Hey, I'm assistant <laughs> coaching with Mike Paley. <laughs> hey, you know what Pales tells me? He got married. Was it the night I scored the first goal? The Air Canada Center." I think it I was. Think it was yeah. He, yeah. So he was he he had me sign something. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Like a plaque or something. So he yeah. got married. He was, you know, saying his vows or whatever as it happened on TV or something. <laughs> like, and you know he's so, looking right over Tam's so shoulder. Yeah, that's how game. he that's how he knew me. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, I got married the night you scored the goal. You, so what did you get married that night for? <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. she she wanted to, right? You know, you, it, yeah. it's all about the wife. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
Happy wife, happy life. So really fast, after you, uh, you did a little figure skating. Yes, I did. With Battle of the Blades. So the question that I have for you is, what was it like (laughs) going from a hockey skate to a figure skate? How hard was that to switch up? Yeah, that was the – I mean, I was actually teasing Anthony Stewart because he's still wearing his hockey skates. He's going to do He's going to do this year's version of Battle of Blades. It was tough. Like, I mean, I, here's the thing. My mom was a skater, right? My mom was a, in, a, in a show back in the 60s called the Ice Follies. It was like the original um, ice capades back in the 60s. So she lived in San Francisco, and they traveled around the world she was, for about three years. So when she came back home here, she ran the figure skating club. So I've been around figure skating. Now, I, I don't remember, but apparently as a five, six-year-old, I took figure skating. Okay, so I was on the ice doing figure skating, and then I got into hockey after that. But I think, you know, through osmosis, maybe I, I picked some things up. So, I mean, the skates were the biggest hurdle because you're literally in a way longer blade. You have way more blade on the ice, and you got toe picks. So what, the first, you know, week, I was banged and bruised up, knees and elbows. Everybody is. Guys, got, guys show up with stitches on their elbows. And, so it was a nightmare. But I'll say this, my, my mom did help me. She, she, we went to the ice a couple times, and she's like, you know, you're going to be in a way different position. She's sort of talking me through how, you know, you know <laughs> what I needed to know. And then my partner was Isabel Brasseur. She was great. So we had Dave Peltier as our coach. David Peltier was our coach, one of the funniest human beings you've ever been around. He kept everything fun for me because I was, you know, really nervous, to be fair. Like, I thought I was going to hurt somebody. So – you know, we, I went to New Jersey where Isabel lives and her husband is Rocky Marvaldi and they both run a, they run like their own, uh, you know, uh, camp for, for figure skaters and they come from all over the world. They have choreographers and, you know, uh, ballerinas that teach these kids. It's it really, I just sort of was like immersed in this whole culture through the, their, their facility for a month. So I would go to New Jersey on Monday morning. I'd be there till Friday night. And every day I'd be around world-class skaters, choreographers, teachers, and they would be in and out of the, the facility all day long. So had I not done that, I'm not sure. I'm not really not sure I could have done it. Like it was that hard. And so, so, you know, the first three weeks, that's all I did. I just, I would work with, you know, they had kids from 12 to 25. There's pairs, there's dance, there's individual skaters at all levels mostly elite from all over the U S and, and, and Europe. And they helped me, they would be on the ice with us. So, you know, Dave would come um, later, Pelche, it was mostly just Isabel and I and all her students that were working with me. So I feel like I got the best possible, you know, coaching I could have got. And so when we got in the show, I was, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking. Like this is the second year they had it. And, you know, the year before that it was like, you know, Ty and, and Proby and all those, that, that crew of people. And so, yeah, it was, it was tough. And our, our season was like longer too. We had eight shows in like 10 weeks and we had, we had skate offs. So if you get, if you didn't make it in the top group, you had to skate off on the Monday. So you didn't get your regular skate Sunday. And then Monday you had to stay in the show, like one-on-one, you know, so we, we probably did some of those routines a hundred times. You know, so like, so it's funny now because I'll hear one of the songs, like when the music of one of the one of the things, and I'll start laughing. I'll say, is, I'll, I'll say to somebody I don't know, I should figure skate to this song, and they'll look at me like, 
<laughs> this guy talking about it's a figure skate to this song yeah so no it was one of the honestly god boys it was one of the coolest things like i mean yeah like um people knew about my mom and and so part of the part of the crew that uh you know picked the people to be in it were um you know christine simpson some of the people around uh, leafland in my time and they knew about my background uh with my family my sister skated and so I think they thought I'd be a good candidate. And plus I was doing some TV. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, the charity work that you get to do when you're in that show is, is an eye opener too. So yeah, I, I, I loved it. And I mean, I think again, the show was, you know, 10 weeks and we made the final episode, but I think nobody really cared who won. Like it was like, at that point it was like, you know, wow, we've been here a long time. Let's just get this thing over with. And if you win, I'll shake your hand. We'll get the hell out of here. But we were all tired and banged up. And, uh, but a great, great, uh, great people, you know, really great people I got to meet and, and, um, and got a, a whole uh, new perspective on how difficult it really is. Domi didn't go through the dressing room and say, I'll fucking Tanya Harding all of you if you, <laughs> yeah. you don't let me win. No. no, Ty was the year before. I watched Ty. I was sending him messages, teasing him. I said, you got you to bend your knees. You know, what the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, from afar. I'd never do it in, in yeah. Yeah. Not, not striking <laughs> distance. That's right. That's right. No, you're not going to go Sorry, you, I, I just got one more question yeah, for you, Todd. Um, yep. so baseball has their walk-up songs, you know, mm-hmm. so if, 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 if hockey had their goal scoring songs, instead of that stupid fucking horn, <laughs> which I'd really love to get rid of because it's well, only it's arenas over. that don't have enough people in them. Right. Yeah. Cause usually the horn blasts out the people that are cheering when the goal scored, cause half of Canadians know the goal's already in before it actually registers. Right. So what would your goal scoring song be if uh, every time you scored a goal, it was it? Did you guys see my number in Battle of the Blades where I was a cross-dresser? <laughs> Mike told me to ask Mike you that. Him, yeah, he, he said, ask him about when he dressed up as a girl figure skating. Uh, I you don't know what the song it? was. I didn't see it. It's uh, It's... Actually, I don't. Is it the Commodores that sing that she's a brick? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's my team. Letting it all hang out. You got to go on YouTube. You got to go on YouTube. You can, you I'll can definitely watch. You should put it. You should play it while we're while we're doing the episode. Well, that, that's a, that's that's the thing we well, I do now. It's, uh, buddy, is that the thing you do now? It'll be your fade out song. You mean, brick house. You the thing you do is cross dress. Is that the thing you guys do? Well, he Good. might, but uh, you know, I'm not saying I don't no. like a nice cut top. And this guy, Coach. literally, he you got to you got to see it. Bounce a quarter off of it, and he loves wearing it. kilts. Hey, I, wore dra- I wore a fu- I wore a fuchsia dress with my boobs out. I love it. Awesome. Whoa. Awesome. Awesome. No, it's not awesome, but tell yeah. me you did a flip too. <laughs> no, I did. I did some jumps. I did some goofy stuff, but I had a wig. You got to see it. Chest hair. It's, it's off. Mike, Mike told me, ask him if he ever dressed up as a woman. That's hilarious. Yes, I have. I've done it before, too. Before, yeah. That's hilarious. And not on TV. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, Todd. Honestly, man, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, you've spent no an assload of time with us, yeah. so. I, yeah, seriously, no I problem, just want to say thank you, man. This has been awesome. These Sorry things. about your cold pizza, bro. Oh, no, it's all right. It's, I got a microwave. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> thank you, hey, Todd. Good luck, so with, good luck with the podcast, boys. Good, thank thank you, you very much. Take care. Really, really appreciate it. All the best. And this episode of Hat Trick Hockey is brought to you by Layuna 625 Labor's Union. So what do you think about that, boys? What Todd Warner, what a fucking guy. What a fantastic interview. I'm a Red Wings fan through and through. And he made me like a sliver, a little tiny sliver of a Leafs fan just because he's a total fucking beaut. Rob, what do you think? Fucking, what a dad rocket. Man, <laughs> I, I had so much fun doing that. I still got a smile on my face from the fucking time we interviewed him to the yeah. time we were done to right now. Yeah, he was I loved great... his stories. And, and that's that's two back-to-back Hall of Famers we, we, we had a podcast. Yeah, that's true. Denny had something in there too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Wall, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's ultimate uh, Leafs nation. You know, he's always going to be enshrined as a Leaf no matter what, no matter where he played. Everybody, most Leaf fans remember Todd Warner. Uh, he was a big part of the – the team back in the 90s, you know, so uh, great interview, man. Guy's a stud. Yeah, he's a total fucking beaut, that guy. A um, couple things, actually, real quick. So we got a new sponsor with us. We have Layuna 625, Labor's Union. So we got those guys on. So we want to give a big shout out to those guys. Thank you for sponsoring the show. These guys are awesome, Thanks, guys. too. Yeah, those guys are... Goody everywhere in the city we like those guys are awesome man they do everything building everything our roads you name it those guys are everywhere so they've done a fantastic job on the roads up there in like windsor we're like howard area there where all the you go under the under for or the over like passes and stuff like that down by the uh college the there. Yeah, yeah that's what it's called but they did a like it looks awesome down there so it's a great job by them also so we were letting everybody know that we we're gonna have a merch a place where you can get all your merch for our show so i'm gonna announce it now our place is laser art and harrow they're gonna have an online store for us and it's gonna be like t-shirts hoodies hats toques just like a whole bunch of stuff like that. Here's the part that's great is they can ship for us. And two, the pricing is fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, so this online store that we our our, our old online store, I'll call it now. Okay, so you could have a, a shirt shipped to you and everything. By the time shipping and everything was done, it was like it was like 30 bucks, okay? for a shirt shipping and everything you go now where if you get a shirt through laser art you can get a performance shirt so like under armor kind of style shirt and they're like they're right in and around like 15 or 20 dollars i want to say yeah yeah so some of our some of our shirts could be as low as ten dollars well let's give a big uh hat trick hockey shout out to uh sean marantet right for helping yes. us out and us local our local podcast taking a care of a local business you know to match made in heaven yeah it is and honestly i went in there and i sat like freaking sean and i i was in there for probably like almost an hour with him 
And I've, I go way back with Sean. He's awesome. Him and his staff have been great. My whole life, we've got ball uniforms off of them. We get our hockey. My league gets our hockey stuff there. Uh, we get well, everything from Laser Art because it's local, right? And I wanted to stay local. And just knowing Sean and knowing his setup and his staff, who's fucking top-notch, his staff. So we figured, you know, why not? So Sean and I got talking and then – here we are, boys. We have an online store that's local. Good stuff. I love it is it. good to be helping out the local area for sure. Mm-hmm. Right now, especially at this time, how things are. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, so do you guys have anything else you guys want to talk about? I just have a little bit about uh, Spezza offering up his shirt to uh, Joe Thornton oh. and Joe turning him down. Joe said, no, you keep that, Spezza. Wow. Two vets. Two veterans. You you, you would think he would have wanted the 19, right? Yeah. Well, Joe said he was going to wear 97, and he's going to wear 97 because uh, he wore it when he played for Team Canada. And also, the like I said, the unwritten rule – in, in the NHL is if you take a guy's number or whatever, a guy gives you his number, you have to buy him a Rolex. Well, like I yeah, said, I'll keep my I'm Rolex to keep your number. <laughs> 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 that is true. What? He doesn't want to pay for a Rolex when he's only, he's only signed a one-year deal, right? Yeah, one-year deal, yeah. Who was it? Oh, fuck. I'm trying to think someone's going someone's going to a new team in the NHL. I forget who it is. Someone's going to a new team and they have 999 games. So their game 1000 is going to be with their new team. Well, how it always is in the NHL, which I, I'm sure all of our fans know is when you play in the NHL and you hit your thousandth game, your team usually chips in and they get you like a nice gift. Like guys get like, sea dudes and like shit like that nice hunting stuff whatever so this guy's gonna go in and he's gonna play his first game is gonna be his thousandth with his new team how would you feel just being like like would you be like oh man now i gotta buy this guy a gift his first game on a team like who the hell does he think he is or do you think they're all those guys. Well, me personally, there. I'd be thinking I'm playing my thousandth game. Uh, I'm a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no, but I mean, as, as to aspects of like, do you think guys are going to get bad blood? Like thinking, no, oh, this guy's coming in and I got to fork out money for him already? No, I don't think so. The guy's got a fucking thousand games, so he's obviously a fucking stud. Oh, yeah. Total butte. <laughs> I just mean, I don't like, know. But if I would, if, if I was that fourth line guy making fucking, you know, Joe Thornton money, I'd be like, fuck this guy. Yeah, and I got to give this guy a couple grand out of my money. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't, the, isn't it the team that's supposed to put out a bunch of it too? Like the, the actual like ownership? I thought they're supposed to give him a silver stick. Well, yeah, the league does that, but it's always it's his, the team that usually chips in and gets him gifts or gets him a mm-hmm. gift, shall I say. It's pretty crazy, though. I imagine that. Everybody's making millions of dollars, and then just, oh, here's a very expensive gift for a 1,000 games. It's pretty cool, though. 
kind of. Well, but. how about that team getting rid of him for his thousandth game? What a bunch of fucking dicks. <laughs> I'm trying to think who it was. I almost, like, I'm not, don't quote me on this, everybody, but I almost want to say that it could be, like, Mark Stahl. Yeah, that might yeah, sound about could. right. I mean, a thousand games, that's quite the milestone. So, I mean, you know, rightfully so, he deserves something. I'm not sure who gets it for him. Yeah. But I'm sure the team has to put in most of the money, I would guess. And then, you know, other guys are, yeah, you know, asked to chip in here and there, whoever can, you know. And I'm sure uh, freaking Iserman will be a class act and do something, which I'm sure. Like, you know what I mean? Here, let's check it out here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up on how many games Mark Saul has right now. Cause I'm, but I almost – I almost want to say Detroit's done this before where they didn't give him the silver stick and they didn't give him much. Yeah. I want to say it was fucking Mike Madano or something. No, what, what happened with Mike Madano, and before I go on to the Mike Madano thing, Mark Stahl has 892 games, so it's not him. Um, so this is what happened with Mike Madano. So Mike Babcock was the coach then. So Madano is normally – he's a – Michigan boy right so that's why he signed with the Red Wings on that one year deal or whatever so whatever he was playing his thousandth game he was supposed to be at the Joe he had a bunch of family and all that shit there like almost a whole section of people and fucking Babcock scratched him when he had all those people there I would lose my shit like but that's... he did that special too right remember mm-hmm. yeah no um... he I think he scratched him. Was it his thousandth or was it? Uh... No, it was, it was his first game as a Toronto Maple Leaf when, when he oh, did yeah. it to uh, Spezza. Yeah. And Spezza had all his family in because isn't he from yeah. Toronto area? Right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yep. And, he, and then he, he healthy scratched him. What a dick, eh? Fucking. Yeah, yeah that's kind of shitty timing the on the coach's part. That's for sure. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a power move. You know, like, what? here's what I don't understand. Mike Babcock backs, um, what is that, reach out for mental illness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then he's going and mind-fucking all these guys. So, like, what, what are you doing? Look, well, like, look what he did to Franzen. Remember that? We've, yeah. we've actually, I think in the past, we've actually talked about it on here. I think you and I have talked about yeah. it, Rob. But yeah. Yeah, but still, but to be, you know, like, what a fucking, I'm surprised no one's punched him out. Yeah. Well, to be, it's not a real big surprise to me that, like, nobody picked Babs up when he left Toronto. There wasn't, like, teams knocking the door down to get him. That is no. true. A lot of guys don't like playing for that guy, and, uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure why, but, I mean, moves like that would not want me to, you know, would probably, I wouldn't want to play for you either, you know, so. Yeah, I agree 100% there. It just, yeah, and he's, like, one of the best coaches in the game, too. Like, that's what's what's was nuts about it. Like, it, to me, when uh, I – You know what? I can appreciate what he's done in the past, but in all reality, he was handed a silver plate, you know? Well, so, yeah. 100%. When you, when you come 100%. in – When you come in after Scotty Bowman, it's <laughs> – You know? But the, the, oh, Stanley you Cup winning, the Stanley Cup winning team, here you go. Yeah. And then what? And you, how you many did, did he win after Babcock came on? One. Just one, yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. And wasn't that the year that he first came on? Uh, it was one of the first couple. It wasn't far. Pretty well, Scotty Bowman's team. Then that's a fair yeah. state, right? 
Yeah, I think Bowman was done in like I want to say like either 2003 <laughs> or 2004. I want to say Bowman was done. Well, and then Bowman hands him the reins to the wagon. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. What a dick. And now, uh, <laughs> and now we're in a rebuild. <laughs> but uh, anything else, boys? Or are we crushing beers and watching football? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have nothing else. Beers All and right. footy? Okay. All right. Well, we hope everybody enjoyed. Until next week. And Rob, Wally, we're signing off. See ya. Enough.